Welcome, everybody, to The Called from First Fisherman Media. My name is Andrew Jacoby, and I am here with my good friend and co-pilot here, Pete Tamayo. Pete, say hello, please. Hello, everyone. And uh, Sister Mary Eileen of the Parish Visitors of Mary Immaculate. Um, We're very happy to have you here to hear your story, Sister. And also, a very special treat is we have a song that we're going to hear in the beginning. This is a first on any of our podcasts, so this is very exciting. But first, before we do that, um, Pete, would you lead us off in prayer, and then I'd love for the sister to sing us a song, and then we'll hear her vocation story into her order. So, Absolutely, yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother. To thee we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer us. Amen. Amen. Pope John Paul II. Pray Pray for us. Our Lady of Fatima. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pray for us. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good. The king of my heart be the wind inside my sails, the anchor in the waves. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, he is my song. You are good.
and the night is holding on to me. God is holding on. When the night is holding on to me, God is holding on. Thank you so much, sister. Yeah. You're welcome. That was beautiful yeah that was so beautiful this is such a surprise such a wonderful surprise to have a musical part of the show we haven't ever had this you can't hear the crowd going nuts behind us in the amphitheater (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) i was just sharing with the sisters that i have zero musical talent and artistic ability whatsoever so i thank god for giving sister a double dose (laughs) when he left me out (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it was. It's a, always a joy to praise the Lord in song. So, um, my wife had a wonderful nun growing up, and she said that when we sing, um, that it's like praying twice. I don't know if you've exactly. Wow, I've never heard that I before. use that a lot. Yes, mm-hmm. when I'm leading people in song, trying to get them to sing along. Mm-hmm. Really nice. Yep. Thank Sister, you. thank you so much for coming into the city to join us. We're really um, pleased that you did that. Um, we were able to interview your uh, mother superior on our first episode mm-hmm. and that was a wonderful episode and her story was so powerful and so you to be reminded for everybody the the purpose of our show is, at the called is to hear the vocation stories of our religious and our archdiocese um, number one as a way of um, bridging a gap between those who are not religious, who d- haven't chosen this way of life, and those who are, you know, mm-hmm. it's an easy way for people to hear and to um, know that we're all just human. We're doing our, our job here on earth, and also to inspire more vocations to the church. So hopefully there's some young woman or even young man out there listening that might one day listen to your story and be inspired to, uh, to a calling uh, for the amazing. Lord. Yeah. So um, to that end, um, could you tell us a little bit about your background and, and your faith journey? And sure. we'd love to hear it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks first. First of all, thanks for inviting me on the show. Um, it's always a special grace to be able to share what the Lord has done, and my hope is that it does touch the people who are hearing this. So, um, so I grew up on Long Island, New York. I was born into a Catholic family. Um, we were Catholic, but I guess you could say we weren't like super Catholic. <laughs> so like we went to mass every Sunday. Um, my parents always made sure that we went to our religious instruction, that we all received the sacraments. Um, but there wasn't like a whole lot of prayer in the home, maybe like grace before meals. Um, and the faith wasn't really talked about very much. And at the time, like, you know, religious education wasn't that great. And so I grew up not really knowing or understanding my faith, but just knowing that it was like a part of who we are. And um, yeah, so I kind of went along with like like that. I had one brother and one sister. And um, but then when I was in middle school, I started to have like a small, a group of friends that we all got very close. And like when you're in middle school, you know, friends are like a big deal and it means a lot to you. And I was like really happy with my group of friends. And I was like, I have friends, you know, and we're all like getting along and it's great. And 
in the back of my mind somewhere I heard at mass or somewhere I heard that like good things come from God and that thought came to me and I was like this is a really good thing that I have these wonderful friends so like I should thank God you know because good things come from God it was like simple as that right and so for the first time I started to like I spoke to God from my heart like I said a prayer that wasn't just like a prayer that I learned but I thanked him in my own simple way you know I don't know whether I was like 12 or 13 somewhere around there and I just started thanking him for the good things in my life especially for these friends that I had and so then at at some point like during that um, I don't really know how to explain it, but there was some time when I was praying in that way that God kind of broke through my prayer and he revealed himself to me. That's the only way I know how. To this day, I really don't know how to put it into words, but he, he revealed himself to me. And I knew like even to this day, like it's just like an unmistakable fact to me that God is, you know, that he he's real because I encountered him and I can't deny it. And he revealed that he revealed himself as love, you know, not just, and I knew even at that time, I knew it's not just that he is loving, but like he is love. And I don't know how I knew that, but I just knew it. And I knew that he loved me, you know, personally. And that experience just completely changed me. Um, it, changed the direction of my life you know um, love became like the focus of my life and God became the focus of my life and I knew that was the meaning and the purpose of everything somehow I just like knew it and so that was great but I didn't know how to make sense out of it or I didn't even know how to speak of it um, I never heard oh and I I like fell in love with God like I felt just head over heels like it was irresistible and I remember that I felt like I was uh, so happy and I don't know what season it was but it felt to me like it was spring you know <laughs> I just felt like everything changed not only did I change felt like the whole world around me changed and it was uh, just really really amazing and wonderful and to this day I'm so grateful to God that in his mercy he loved me first and he broke through my experience and lack of experience and just revealed himself that way I it's it's just such a grace and I'm so so grateful for it and so I didn't know how to make sense out of it. So then like when that type, when that experience stopped, I kind of didn't know how to pray. You know, I had no instruction in prayer. I didn't know what to do. I didn't really know my faith. I never even heard of like somebody loving God. Like I never heard of that. Never heard any of the lives of the saints, nothing. I didn't, I don't even, not sure if I knew there were saints, maybe I had a vague idea. So there I was. So life went along, but I didn't, I had that powerful foundational experience but I didn't know how to sort of make sense out of it or what to do with it. So then fast forward, um, should I keep going? Or you go? Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> That's beautiful. Spotlight's on you. Okay. <laughs> I wanted too much of a monologue. Anyway, so then uh, we moved to Florida when I was a teenager. That was a really, really difficult experience because I was, I was just starting high school and, um, you know, I had to leave my wonderful group of friends. Um, go to a strange place and um 
you know, my family was okay, but there was there was a lot of dysfunction in my family also really growing up. So there were a lot of troubles at home, um, different things going on. So I was very, felt very alone when we moved to Florida. And it led me to like go into like a depression, you know, in high school, even though I don't know if I, if I could articulate it at the time, but looking back, that's what it was. And um, it was like that for like two years, you know, and very hard time um, in high school. And then God used that too, because now I minister to youth a lot. So, you know, he uses everything (laughs) in our lives. Yes. But um, so that went along. And then fast forward, I was making a decision to go to college. And I said, I should pray and ask like what God's will is and ask him to lead me to the college that he wants me to be in. Because, you know, when you're trying to figure out what college to go to, it's overwhelming when you're in high school because there's just so many options and choices. And do I get this scholarship? Will I not get it? Will I get in here then? And it feels like this big, like overwhelming thing, like how do I decide, you know? So I was just like, I'm putting this in God's hands. I'm like, God, just open the door. I want to do your will lead me to the college that you choose. So he actually led me to Belmont Abbey College in North Carolina because they, uh, I got ex- I got accepted and I got a scholarship. And so my mother's like, well, that's where you're going. So so I, I took that as like God, you know, like speaking um, through her. Um, oh, by the way, also when I was in high school, my father passed away. So that was another like oh. in the midst of all that kind of turmoil, like that happened. And so it was a really difficult time. And so then, you know, put everything in God's hands, ended up at this college, so went along, and I wanted to do my junior, the junior year abroad program where you could go to France for a year because I loved uh, the French language, and I was like, wanted to do this. And the psychology major that I had, if I, if I stayed with that, I would have to do an extra year of school, and I didn't want to do that. So I switched my major to political science, not because I had any interest in political science, because I wanted to graduate on time, and I wanted to do this junior year abroad program, and it fit, you know? So I'm like, I'll just do this, and then I'll figure it out later. So that was God's providence, because the political science studies that I had there were, it's more, there was a lot of political philosophy, and it was, I had one professor, I guess I could say who he is, right? Dr. Dr. Eugene Thewitt, amazing man. And he, in all his classes, he was trained in the great books uh, tradition. And the classes he compared and contrasted three worldviews, the view of the ancient philosophers, Plato and Aristotle, those guys, with the modernist philosophers who came on the scene around the 1500s and kind of rejected the philosophy of the ancients. And then with the Catholic worldview, based on St. Thomas Aquinas, which took the ancient philosophers plus the faith, okay? So all the classes, he's just presenting those three worldviews, comparing, contrasting, comparing, contrasting, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, my whole education is based on these, like, modernist philosophies, you know? you know, it's Machiavelli, Kant, Hume, all these people. And like, it was like, and is that similar to your story? Uh, oh, that's funny. No, but it's just, it's a, it's a topic that we have a lot of interest in. Really? Yeah, okay. In because that's what we ah. see in the culture, sister. Yes, and I, yes. and the worst part is yes. what you just described is we don't even realize that you that's don't. how we've been indoctrinated no. to think. Yes. With the modernist philosophy. It's yes. just cooked into the it's education. It's just cooked into the whole culture and the education. So th- these classes, is like enlightened me and I felt like I was coming out of a dark tunnel and I was like whoa I could see it a 
objectively for the first time. Like, and I was like, wow, I've been taught that, you know, uh, there's no such thing as truth. It's all relative. And that's not true. Yes. My son, Nicky, just talked to me about this a week ago in the car. He's a junior in high school and Uh and is just learning this at Regina Luminous Academy. Uh, He's explaining this to me. And exactly what you just described. Now Aquinas comes along, Augustine, and they're adding faith right and yes. reason and god yes. to all to of it. what the early and it's like light bulb you know like yes. oh, you know? it was an amazing <laughs> right. an amazing enlightening experience um please and, keep going this is interesting oh so yeah. you were at college so with the professor with professor yeah. that mm-hmm. I, where I, I started getting this enlightenment and i realized like plato's analogy of the cave in the Republic, if you're familiar with it, he talks about like somebody being stuck inside this cave and that's analogous to like the culture and just accepting the worldview that the culture gives us. And then they see these people, but they only see them as like shadows, you know, because they can't really see. And then somebody makes a sacrifice and goes into the cave and gets somebody out of the cave and only when they're outside can they see the light and they can really see things as they really are. So I realized that God did that for me through these classes that I was being pulled out of the cave and now I could really see you know what I was being taught and where it wasn't right and what the truth was and then I you know made a decision to seek truth Um, and then I realized like my Catholic faith in my religious education that it was tainted with the same thinking you know like if they said well this is what the church teaches it was kind of like one teaching among many you could take it or leave it because it's all subjective and we don't really know what's right or whatever and so it's just like okay that's interesting that's what the church teaches you know nice but it was just like this thing you could just take or leave in it and there was no truth so that was all misleading and i realized whoa the version of the catholic faith that i got was tainted by this philosophy so how could that be the true catholic faith because the catholic faith came along before the 1500s before these modernist philosophers came along and taught this other thing so i'm like okay i've got to find out what the real catholic faith is so i went to belmont abbey college library which was founded by monks way back when and they had old books. And I'm like, all right, I'm only going to look at books that were published before the 1500s. So I started finding all the old books and stuff and piecing things together. And I can't remember now everything that I read that I, I read. This is before the Internet. Sorry, I'm aging myself. But um, so they had, um, they had there was this one title that said The Primacy of Peter. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder what that means, the primacy of Peter. And I opened it up, and I'm reading, and I'm like, oh, Peter had primacy among the other apostles. Jesus chose him to be, like, the leader, and I get it. And I'm like, oh, Peter was the first pope. Oh, cool. And I'm like, oh, there's an unbroken line of succession in Downton, and they still have the office of Peter. Oh, that makes sense, you know. So that's how it was going, and I was literally, like, piecing it together. And it took me, like, it took me, like, a couple of years, I think, to really piece things together enough where I had like the basic catechism you know I had like a basic understanding of it but that's what I that's what I was doing um at the time yeah so and then sister (laughs) you are in yeah you are in college I Uh think this resonates with I'm gonna say young people but I think so many Catholics from from the being raised like kudos to our parents for at least giving us the foundation Right. right So God bless them for giving us at least the Catholic foundation and the sacraments. But it kind of ended there for most of, you know, for many of us. I should say most, many of us. Uh So, and then, but you hit that stage 
through God's love, of course, you mm-hmm, know, but mm-hmm. um, to go truth seek. Yeah. That I literally was just texting my sister-in-law, my wife's little sister, about this yesterday of that search for truth. Mm-hmm. I, I can see it in her. She has it right now. Yeah. I mean, she's listening to she'll go on walks in the morning and like listening to father mike schmidt's bible in a year podcast and stuff and it's just such a part of her life right now and her marriage and her family and it's beautiful to Mm -hmm. see she's Mm -hmm. not that much younger than us you know it's only Mm -hmm. like six years but Mm -hmm. it's like it's beautiful she's she's searching for truth right now in this crazy like world we're living in not religious you know married and family but it's Uh like but it's what you were doing in college it's like we're all made for right we have this innate desire for the truth what's true what's beautiful and what's good and also for communion those are called the transcendentals you know and god made us that our human nature desires those things just naturally like every person does so there is something dissatisfying about, you know, the lie that like there really is no truth. Everything is just opinion. There's nothing objective that you can really know for sure. You know, um, that endless skepticism. You should just continuously question everything because you can never know anything for sure. You know, those are all the, the modernist ways of looking at things um, and we're made for truth, beauty, goodness. You know, even like goodness, like I learned through those classes that like, God wants us to follow right reason, enlightened by faith, and to make our decisions based on that. And I was like, whoa, you know, you mean- Can you say that again? Right, yeah, we're supposed to follow right reason, enlightened by faith. That's supposed to be the basis of our decision making. And I was like, whoa, like, you mean we don't have to just follow our feelings, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Because before that, and just unconsciously, you know, how I felt about something was like, big and like a lot of my decisions I think were based on like how I felt you know and I was like whoa you mean there's something else that can be a basis that was life-changing yes you know and it's I'm feeling happy because I have this good group of friends I'm feeling lonely because Uh we just moved to and that almost becomes our way of being yeah instead of who we really are is child of God and yep. then what is it that he wants for my, yes. my life right and it's not that our feelings are nothing because God cares about every part of us but our feelings are meant to be integrated into our decision but at the helm is supposed to be right reason enlightened by faith that's supposed to be the steering wheel you know and then feelings can change you know feelings can follow along when we choose what's good sometimes our feelings catch up with that you know later so it's a really really Oh, that was life changing for me, too. You know, um, so did you have so it sounds like this was um, the political science class that Mm -hmm. was bringing about this true enlightenment for you, not the fake modernist enlightenment, you know. Right. Um, So did you have some sort of theology class simultaneously? You know, that was no, we had the only one I remember had there. There were some classes that really weren't teaching really the right way. There at the time, um, the college is actually turned around a lot, and it's really solid right now. But um, when I was there, you know, there were some other things going on. Um, it's a Catholic college. It's of a Catholic course, college, yeah. So some monks, of the yeah. some of the theology wasn't wasn't actual. Um, true Catholic <laughs> I think many can relate to that also right yeah. now, sister. <laughs> but there was there was a really good ethics class that one of the um, one of the priests there taught that he would give everybody an A 
so that they would all take his class because it was an elective, but you could have options. He wanted everybody to take his ethics class because he was telling us what's right and wrong and how to choose what's right, you know, and the place of conscience and all this stuff. Like he was, he had it down and he, he was doing it in a very simple way. But that, that was a great class too. I got a lot out of that because he was like, he was like um, if you have a doubtful conscience, you have to like find out you know, the answer before you act on it. You shouldn't act on a doubtful conscience. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of things I have doubts about. I guess I shouldn't act yet until I figure this out, you know? Right. <laughs> so he saved me, you know, from a lot of things. But, um, yeah, so that that was really good, so. So <clears throat> you're probably like a, a senior at the at this junior. Point. Yeah, yeah, at this point. And mm -hmm. you, um, you now, it's the these little pieces that you were mm -hmm. raised with that foundation we were just mm -hmm. discussing now things are starting to actually connect right. <laughs> you know the puzzle's right. starting to come together exactly. or the dots are lining up mm -hmm. what happens next what's the well is there like a massive or is it just like the slope of you know is no the, there was another like turning point um a friend of mine um who i think knew the faith better than i did she wanted somebody to pray with every week she wanted like a prayer partner and like to get together once a week and I was never opposed to prayer you know I'm like sure I'll pray with you you know <laughs> and so we would get together and she would talk about different people that we knew and like oh so-and-so you know has thought about being a priest do you think he'll be a priest and I was like I don't know and she's like oh, what about so-and-so you know do you think she would be a, a nun and I'm like I don't know and I was like totally not interested like nothing on my horizon was about vocation or I didn't even know what it was really so and so she's going on and on and I'm kind of bored and then for some reason like one time we were praying I was like you know I knew I knew it was like a calling something about a calling and I was like you know I wonder if I could I don't even know really don't know why I said it I mean the Holy Spirit I guess but I was like I wonder if I could maybe have a call and she goes oh my gosh and she got super over the top excited she goes maybe you're called maybe you're called to be a sister oh my gosh you know maybe you have a calling and she's like really excited and I'm like I don't even know what I just said like never mind can we like rewind this conversation because this is going somewhere I don't know where it's going so I'm walking back to my dorm room and I was actually laughing I was laughing and I'm like me a nun <laughs> that's really funny you know and I'm laughing walking back to my dorm room and then I said to the Lord I was like I have this serious moment I'm like you know if ever somehow I had this calling, like you'd have to make it really, really clear because like <laughs> I've never even thought about this. I don't even know any sisters, you know, whatever, I don't know. So I went back in my dorm room and I had this little prayer book. Once in a while I would just open it up randomly and ask God for a message, right? So, and the only thing I knew about religious life was that it was a call. So I open up the book and the title of the prayer thing is God Calling. And I'm like, hmm. So I closed it, you know, and then I got this really weird feeling, again, Holy Spirit, now looking back, really weird feeling. And like three things became really clear to me. One, there is such a thing as this call from God. Two, I never asked myself the question, do I have it? And three, if I had it and then I missed it, that wouldn't be good because God loves me and his will is like the best thing for me. So I really better look into this. And that was the beginning of me looking into it, which just 
snowballed. Um, the same friend gave me a biography of St. Therese of Lysia, so I learned from her what religious life was. And I was like, oh, you don't get married because you're married to Jesus. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, hmm, God has been kind of calling me to something like that, I think, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, that's what all that love was. <laughs> yeah, all that love. And then I'm like, how come every time I hear a love song on the radio, to me it's about God? I'm like, okay, um, maybe, you know? <laughs> oh, Sister, that reminds, yeah. that reminds me of, I think it's a line from Dante. Uh -huh. and the, in the, it says, in thy in thy will, in, in his will is thy peace. Mm -hmm. It is his will, in, in his will is thy peace. That's so true, you know, and I, and I know there's I a lot of people. Divine, I think it's from the Divine Comedy. Yeah, that, that struggle, you know, and I, I certainly understand and empathize, you know. Everybody comes from a different path. So people do sometimes struggle when they think they might have a vocation, like, oh, no, it seems scary, it seems foreign. And the call to religious life is a supernatural call like the call to marriage is both natural and supernatural like it's a na it's a natural vocation because like you don't even have to be catholic to get married right and to be even in a valid marriage a church would even recognize as valid so it's a natural vocation but we're called to live it in a supernatural way but religious life is just supernatural like there's nothing you know there's nothing really natural about vowing poverty chastity and obedience and you know living living this way of life so do you it mind can just seem, yeah, just rewind repeat that sure. back to us again for those of us who are living you okay. know in the yeah, yeah. so the the marriage is a, a natural vocation like people that are not even baptized not religious can be fulfilling god's will and god's plan in marriage and be called to marriage right but it's called to be lived in a supernatural way, especially for us to have the grace of baptism and receive marriage as a sacrament. Therefore, um, you know, that we're called to live that in, you know, you can live it in a heroic way, that, that love, that fidelity that can, um, you know, reach heroic levels and raising a family and bringing up children in the faith. So it's called, it's not like it's, oh, it's just natural, but it's called to be live in a supernatural way, meaning with the help of God's grace to really reach holiness through it. Because every, every vocation is a path of holiness. Um, yeah, but religious life you, is just it's the, supernatural. Yeah, it's just supernatural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's why like it can be a little bit frightening or, you know, uh, some people can really struggle with it when they when they think they might have that call. Um, you know, I used to have a women's discernment group when I was at the Newman Center at Arizona State University, and you know, I would tell the girls like, because they're all really devout, you know, and I'd be like, you know, don't get freaked out if you're praying in the chapel and a sister comes in and be like, oh no, God's calling me to be a sister. Like it doesn't happen that way. Like calm down, you know. <laughs> calm down but like they would they would look at it as so like you know a little bit frightening or whatever mm -hmm. and but it's, it can be it can be yeah. yeah it can be you know and so you begin to explore it and you you taste that peace that as the scripture says a peace that surpasses all understanding is the peace that god gives us it's like like saint series of avila when she um 
she resisted the call to religious life and she entered because she thought it was the only way she could save her soul. <laughs> she was so tempted by the things of the world. But the minute she stepped over the threshold in her convent, her monastery that she where she was called to be a Carmelite, the minute she stepped over, she said this peace flooded her and mm. never left her. Mm. You know? How do you explain that? You know, it's peace that surpasses all understanding. So if we are in God's will, there is this peace that he promises that it, that is there, you know. That I'm exactly where I'm supposed uh, to yes. be. Where, you know, where, yeah, where yep. he wants me. Yep. Yeah. And when you struggle, you try to go in another direction. It just it just doesn't work, you know, and it's you just not you can't find that happiness, that abundant life that he really wants for us. So it's it's always worth exploring you know, your vocation, and every every Catholic should consider, you know, a, a religious life, priesthood, like, just consider it. Like, if you've never considered it, you know, and said, hmm, what vocation am I called to? But you're just going to, like, slide into marriage, you know, that's, it's kind of unwise, because you might be missing the call, you know, this, this beautiful thing that God has in mind for you. In that worldly wisdom that mm -hmm. we're all indoctrinated into, yes. you don't realize that it's actually lacking the true wisdom like you're describing, yes. which is, hey, what's my true vocation? What yes. am I called to? Yes. Let me contemplate that, you know, like exactly. this, you know, exactly. and then figure out where I'm actually supposed to be instead of just sliding, sliding into, in. right, yeah. I'm going to date, I'm going to be right. part of this hookup culture, right. I'm going to get an apartment and live with yep. my girlfriend or boyfriend, we're yeah. going to pretend like we're pseudo married, even mm -hmm. though we're not actually married, mm -hmm. oh, we'll get a dog and see if mm -hmm. that commitment feels like a child, you know what I mean, <laughs> like, you know, we'll test that out for a couple of years, it's like, this is the world we're yes. all yes. living in yes. now, and it doesn't and, work no yeah, it doesn't it's work like, that way discern first then enter into your vocation you know whether it's marriage or religious life and there's no there's no real trials you know i mean religious life you have a period of time that you live the life before you make your vows but um you know there you don't really you're not really trying you know you, and in marriage you can't really try somebody out you know it's like then you're treating a person like an object you know like commit or not mm-hmm you know, you we, just said it, sister. Is. You're actually using the other person yes. by trying them out. They're right. not a soft drink. They're a human yeah. being. Yeah. We're not testing to see yeah. if we like Coke Sprite or yeah. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and but, then discard them, you know, throw them in the trash can right. if it's not what you want. Oh, I don't yeah. like the taste of that yeah. one. I'll just, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sister, when did, in this uh -huh. process for you, did you mm -hmm. then immediately after this experience mm -hmm. where you're praying, mm -hmm. did you then seek out different um, communities to try or was it more just a prayerful mm -hmm. no, thinking about and I praying seek, about the entire concept? Right, I did seek out. I actually had a friend that had gone to this community, this new community that was starting out that doesn't exist anymore, but it, it, they were starting out called the House of the Lord. Um, and it was in Tennessee, and she had gone there for this year program. They let lay people come and live with them for a year and like grow in the spiritual life and pray with the sisters and then discern their vocation and all that stuff. So I was so attracted when she told me about that. And I was like, maybe that's what I should do. And I was like, a year of my life is not you know, too much time to spend on such an important question of figuring out my vocation. I'm like, that's what I'll do. I'll go there, you know, so I applied and I, I went there um, and I spent a year living with these sisters and they had a chapel, <clears throat> they had a, a library of actual Catholic books, they had, you know, holy hour every day, they had 
the liturgy, the hours, mass, everything. So I got immersed in true, you know, Catholic life as religious, living with sisters. And the and the more I was there, the more I was drawn to their life. Just this desire kept growing, and that's where I found out that the Eucharist was really Jesus, because I didn't know that either. And I, you know, I had I knew like the body of Christ. It changes into the body of Christ, but I had a I didn't really understand that meant the whole Jesus. Like I thought it was just like his body, like I don't know, like his dead flesh or something. You know, surprising. I didn't think that was weird, but I just kind of accepted it. And uh, but I didn't understand it was Jesus, body, blood, soul, divinity, the same Jesus that walked on the earth, the same Jesus that's in heaven, holy, fully, truly present. In the Eucharist. I didn't know that. So I was reading the lives of the saints for the first time, and I noticed their attitude toward the Eucharist. Like, and I was like, there must be something more here because I don't get this. You know, like a saint, the door would miraculously open so they could go into the chapel. And I'm like, why was that so important? You know, I read this, the Fatima prayer um, that the angel taught the children, you know, my God, I adore you, um, body, blood, soul, and divinity present in all the tabernacles of the world. And I was like, wait a minute, body, blood, soul, divinity, body, blood, soul, divinity. I was like, that's all of him. And it hit me. And providentially the library was right outside the chapel and this in this convent so i ran i literally ran into the chapel i fell on my knees before the tabernacle i looked at him and i said it's you you know it's you and i was like amen and my second thought was nobody told me Mm. and i was like shocked i was like how can you keep this a secret yeah Nobody told, why didn't nobody ever tell me? Like all during my teenage years in high school, I could have run to the church. I could have been with Jesus and asked his help, but I didn't know he was there, you know? And I was just like floored by that. And so- That's um, a slightly larger aha moment than the political science class with the- Yeah, <laughs> that is yeah, like, I don't, it was, you're right here it was in front amazing of me. Yeah. and it was like wow and then i just became glued to the tabernacle and then i just wanted everybody to know that he was there you know That's so fascinating yeah. you didn't have that you had- i didn't people have trouble believing that whenever i almost like don't like sharing it sometimes because sometimes people will be like oh you probably just forgot or somebody t-. it's like no i wouldn't forget something like that like i was important to me you know and i Nobody really explained it or told me. And you couldn't really guess by how people were, like, you know, in the church. I don't know. It just seemed very casual. And I just, I didn't know it was really fully Jesus. Like, did you did you oh, have the right. opportunity to, mm-hmm. or were you thinking about joining that community? No, I was, actually. I, I thought that's, maybe that's where I was called to. So myself, and there were three other young women who applied or accepted, and then, Three of them dropped out. I was supposed to enter that fall. Three of them dropped out, and they asked me to wait because they thought it was important to have a group. And then, <clears throat> so I went and volunteered at Covenant House in New York City for that year, so and so waiting to enter. And then while I was there, I learned more about religious life. I learned more about you know certain communities had kind of fallen away from the mind of the church on religious life, and then it was important to get ones that were faithful because the church is Jesus church and you know this Holy Spirit's with the church to guide it and so I discerned I wasn't called there and I was then I was seeking you know what community and that's where 
when I was in New York volunteering at Covenant House, that's where I connected up with the parish visitors. And that clicked for me. It took a while for me to really realize because I didn't get like some people get this feeling of like I'm home, like when they're with the order that they're called to. I didn't get that. So I was like, is this it? I don't know. So it took me a while to figure out. But um, the union of the contemplation and missionary activity was like already what I was living. And then the call to evangelize was hugely on my heart and I was already doing it. And then the call to teach, but just teach the faith. Like I, I didn't mind teaching, but I didn't really want to teach another subject. I just want to teach the faith because I didn't know the faith and it makes such a difference when I discovered it. So I only wanted to teach the faith and that's what our community does. We just, we don't teach other subjects. We teach the Catholic faith, we evangelize and we do that as contemplative missionaries. So that, it really fit everything that God was already calling me to. So I finally just concluded that logically. I said, this must be it, you know, and applied, you know, and. How many God. years ago was that? How that long have you been? That was a long among? time ago. <laughs> okay, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, fair point. Very long time ago. Longer I, I, than you think. I like that, sister. <laughs> so, was. Yeah. Um, Can so I just say, real fast, don't, don't lose that thought, please. I was going to say that that body, blood, soul, and divinity piece of mm-hmm. Jesus present in the Eucharist mm-hmm. doesn't come until you go on that discernment period. Mm. So mm-hmm. if you if you ignore that or try to turn away from that or if you're frightened by that, it's okay. As you were saying before, just go with it. You're not signing uh-huh. up forever. Do you know what I mean? Like right. just go. Right. And I, and so I was driving. Please don't mm-hmm. lose that thought, Andrew. I drove a mother superior and a young woman down to Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. It was missionaries of charity, Mother okay. Teresa's, and I didn't even know of this. Like come it, come and see. Is that what it's called? Or come, mm-hmm. where yeah, yeah. as a young woman you can go or any yep. age woman. Sorry, uh, that you mm-hmm. can go and visit. And she had just spent months with the CFRs in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. And then after that, now she was going yes. with the missionaries of charity. Yeah. And I was like, what a wonderful way to truly prayerfully discern yeah. is you're actually there. You're with, yes. you know, you're you go with the visit. You see, you know, I did that with the Carmelites because I was so attracted to St. Therese. I'm like, maybe I'm called to be a Carmelite. I went and did a come and see with them, you know. So, yeah. How long do these come and sees last? It depends. Today, you know, it can be different, too, because it depends on if the young woman's already working, if she has commitments to her job, how much time she can get off. So in our community, we can tailor it to the needs of the applicant, you know, or the interested, I should say, interested young woman, not even applying yet necessarily. Sometimes they're, um, if it's a cloistered monastery, it might be like two weeks. Um if it's, you know, it could be a weekend, it could be a week, it could be whatever, you know. Depends. This young woman, I forgot her name. Uh-huh. Um, gosh, what was it? I th- whatever. She um, she was awesome, but it was COVID. So she wound oh, up with the yeah. CFR so down in Atlantic City for like nine months or something. Really? <laughs> yeah, but we discussed oh, White wow. House subs and Sacco subs, so shout out because she had those <clears throat> down in, uh, uh, in Atlantic <clears throat> City. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, you never know. But when you were describing the fright fright or the frighteningness of this for, for people mm-hmm. is that removes that <clears throat> fear. You're not, yes. you're not, yeah. you're not marrying Jesus right now yes. today, yes. you know, right. it's, it's right. just, and you I know go. even when we mm-hmm. applied for the diaconate program, mm-hmm. or if there's men who want to check out the seminary is yeah. it's, you, you're not 
Right. You're not I'm committing not... from the first application, you know. You um, There's a discernment process, and the community discerns too, you know. Like, does this seem like the person fits, you know, because it's like joining a family when you pick a religious order too. So there's like a, it's just something where it just clicks, you know what I mean, and you kind of know it. Um, and, yeah, so you, you definitely have that time to discern, and you know, with the seminary also, you know. Um, and if you never, if you think maybe and you seem to be drawn and then you never try or you never take that step, you're probably going to regret it. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've met, even in our visitation, said, I thought about being a sister, you know, but then da 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 da, da. And it's like, okay, if you really called you know, to marriage and you discern that, awesome, you know, but if if you always have that sort of inclination, you never tried it because you were afraid, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. So you have regrets. So that's you, not what you described before as the steering wheel, which was the... Right reason, enlightened by faith. Right reason, enlightened <laughs> by faith. Thank yeah. you. Sister, when, when you, um, so it sounds like there was a, a coherence to the idea of what the what your order was doing was it also did you feel a connection to the people as well or did that come later or was it a sort of both and you're like mm. i love what you're doing and i love all of you or was it i love what you're doing you're weird that's so funny I love this guy (laughs) I I actually I was very focused on the charism because I wanted I have that desire for truth and to find God's will and I knew that like every community had a charism and you were either being given that charism by the Holy Spirit or not so and I knew that you know as much as like I love my sisters I knew that the actual people that were there with me was going to be secondary because in one sense it doesn't matter who else God calls. You know, like if God calls you and God calls me and we're called to live together, then so be it. You know, Mm -hmm. God's will be done. And if if we're naturally compatible and we get along great, thank you, Lord. If we're not, we have to learn. mm -hmm. Praise God, you know, (laughs) because the main thing is that we're all called to the same uh, thing. So, yeah, so for me, it was it was first the charism. I didn't really know the sisters, you know, well. I mean, it's not like some people grew up with the sisters, a certain order, and then they end up joining it. So they actually do know a number of sisters personally. But I, so I didn't have that opportunity. So I didn't really know the sisters that well until I entered, you know, and then I grew to know them, you know, so, yeah. What was the experience like of actually entering? So it sounds like mm-hmm. you had this discernment you fell in love with the charism of the mm-hmm. group you you know you, you discerned through the period that first of all i guess the first right. question would be did you doubt ever at any period and then what was it like when you mm-hmm. finally said mm-hmm. okay i am i give a hundred percent and i'm in right for life right yeah well um yeah i definitely i definitely had some doubts along the way but Mostly when I was going through trial. And I also knew another principle from St. Ignatius that you're not supposed to change the direction that you're going when you're in desolation. You should only make decisions when you're in consolation. So if you're in turmoil, if you're upset about something, if you're having a bad day, that's not the day to change your mind about your vocation if that's the path you're on wait till consolation returns and then make your decision so that saved my vocation because every time 
I went through something and I thought maybe this isn't the right thing. I would wait. And then sure enough, you know, the Lord's grace would manifest in another way. I'd be okay. And then I'd be like, no, this is where he wants me, you know. <laughs> that was a massive truth bomb well, for that is. all listeners. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Regardless of whether we're talking about discerning the yes, religious life anything. or outside in mm-hmm. our other vocations. Mm-hmm. So that 100%. was, yeah. So, yeah, that is a big, big thing. Big. So, a lot of people don't know it. No. That's, that's Ignatian discernment of spirits. Yeah, look it up. And <laughs> it's so helpful. I wish every Catholic, you know, was schooled in it um, as part of their catechesis because it's so hard to f- continuously follow the Lord unless you know that, you know, because there's always these ups and downs, our emotions are here and there, there's upsetting things, there's trials. But once you get that clear discernment when you're in peace, when you're in prayer, and that's what you have to stay with. And if the Lord wants you to do something else, he's going to tell you when you're at peace, when you're in prayer, when you, you know, mm. he's not going to tell you in, in the middle of your upsetness. That's not from him. That's from temptation. So, so looking back, sister, do you, now that you, we don't know exactly how long you've been in the order, but we, it's been longer than a few <laughs> yeah, months, few years. Yeah, don't more give us a year. How many <laughs> years after college graduation? <laughs> we're going to start years. to count. We're going to count. So, okay, looking back, um, do you believe that you made the right decision? Yes, mm. I do. I, I don't think that I would be able to have the peace that I have, that I still have, and all the things that weren't going well that then worked out and everything, like, and the people that the Lord has allowed me to bring to him and all of the good things that happened, like, I don't think that could, like, not be his will, mm. you yeah. know? Yeah. Andrew, you, I am so glad you just asked that. We don't, that is something deep, deep, deep within your heart, personally, that I never think to ask a, a sister or a mm-hmm. priest that, mm-hmm. you know, like basically, would you, would you do this all over yeah. again? You know, yeah. like, would you, like, you see, a happily married person after 50 or 60 years mm-hmm. and they're still in love, you know, mm-hmm. like what mm-hmm. do you still feel that way? And are you, mm-hmm. you know, we don't mean the trials and the tribulations. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Because that's where, you know, it's good for people to know that no matter what life you're in, you're going to have trials and tribulations, you know. And if if you, you know, if you're in a time of desolation or a time of trial and you listen to what, what's that telling you, you're going to be like, no, I made a mistake. No, this isn't right. No, no, no. You know, you're going to say that if you listen to that. But, you know, when you're, whenever that peace returns, it's like, no, it's the same message. And there's no explanation for that. That's where you know it's God. You know, that's what I know it's God. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm in a time of consolation right now. So <laughs> you caught and, me on a good day. Yeah, we got you. you got me on a good day, right? <laughs> and uh, we had a beautiful mission experience last night where we had like, you know, two hours of adoration, praise and worship. It was beautiful, you know, and, um, you know, so it's, it's very, you know, what God is saying to me right now is very clear. <laughs> so, but yeah, but it doesn't mean that <clears throat> somebody couldn't be in a time of deep trial. I mean, there's times when I haven't been clear and I've been like questioning or whatever. And I think, I think everybody, you know, probably goes through that at some point. Um, and well, it's good re- not to like sugarcoat it or, you know, or for somebody to feel like, 
like if you're in that time of trial and you're like, I think I made a mistake for them to think, all right, I better act on this, you know, because you really have to wait for the peace to return um, to really see what God is saying. But yeah, no, I, I, I think that I'm the best of my knowledge. And that's the other thing is like, we should be humble. Like none of us are infallible. So like, you know, to the, to the, best of my understanding yes i think i'm exactly where god wants me and where he's called me to be for Um, our religious mm -hmm. listeners sister do you mind just quickly touching on that or describing that on what on when you're in your times of questioning um, as because it's (laughs) different i feel you guys want yeah i feel like questioning as (laughs) (laughs) questioning as a religious my gosh like almost like for this worldliness this worldly culture it's like "Ah, if i get a divorce whatever 50 percent of people get a divorce you know i'll just get remarried twice Uh, or three or seven times you know but like for you it's like you're not uh-huh. breaking up with another person. You're breaking right. up with God. So it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, do you mind yeah. touching on that while we have you? Well, what that feels like? Or is it like a spiritual dryness? I mean, or is it something I d- different? I think, I, I think it honestly depends. And maybe some people never question. I don't know. But I've questioned, you know. Yeah. I've had times of questioning um, where... Uh, and again, it depends on what God puts you through, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's trials that, you know, look at look at Mother Teresa, you know, of Calcutta. She went through 50 years of dryness and darkness and desolation, you know. So I'm sure if she listened to the voices coming from that, she would think my life is a complete mistake, you know. Um, so God can allow trials where things can be very dark and it's hard to hear his voice and it's hard to discern what he's really saying. So it's just good to be aware of that and not to think that that doesn't mean that that's the truth. You know, Mm. you really have to wait Mm. till the peace returns and you have to stay the course that God has led you on. And like, you know, that's why I say like we're not infallible. You know, it's possible to make a mistake, right, and choose the wrong vocation. But God promises if we're in good faith, like I didn't do this to deceive anybody or myself or I didn't, you know, enter the convent because, you know, my family wanted me to or I felt pressured or something like that, right? Other than that, if you in good faith choose, enter, you know, follow what you really think God is saying, even if it's a mistake, God promises to work through that and to bring good out of it. So that's the other consoling thing that you don't have to have this absolute 100% certainty all the time you know, any of us about think, the path that we're on. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Mother Teresa said that it was her way of participating in the passion of the Lord, mm-hmm. of, of his suffering. Yeah. It was her way of participating <clears throat> with him because mm-hmm. he suffered and she suffered through that. And that was yeah. her way. That was the way that she came to understand the experience. Sister, I know um, we're, your, your car might be turning into a uh, pumpkin soon. <laughs> um, mine as well. So mm-hmm. um, I wondered maybe um first of all thank you so much for coming down and sharing your story with us it was so wonderful to get to know you and to hear about i love these stories to me it's like i'm a vocation story addict in a way i really like it's very interesting to me people's journey of discerning the will of the lord for them and i wondered if um being that you're a professional prayer, <laughs> if you could end us in prayer, P was it Pete's an amateur. Oh, I am. If you could novice, should we say on the show, I'm a novice? Uh, um, and just a quick 
um, thought of reflection okay. to um, from Matthew Kelly, dynamic mm-hmm. Catholic, mm-hmm. wonderful speaker for a long, long time. And uh, he says, who you become is infinitely more important than what you do or what you have. Mm. Who you become is infinitely more important than what you do or what you have. Mm-hmm. And sister, from <clears throat> listening to you, it's crystal clear uh, <laughs> that that's what you've done with your life. Mm-hmm. Obviously Amen. through yeah. God's you know, yeah. grace. He's yeah. so good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> will you pray? Will you pray? Absolutely, us, yes. Yeah. And there are no professional prayers. <laughs> no, I was kidding. Right. I your twelve-year-old prayer was uh, one of the most beautiful. Oh, <laughs> I know. Children, oh, when children pray, it's like the best. Anyway, all prayer from the heart is good. Mm. Right? Amen. 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 <clears throat> In the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness, your love, your mercy. Thank you for calling us into relationship with yourself. Thank you for providing for our needs in our life. Thank you for this opportunity to come together and share today. And we pray for all our listeners, for anyone who's listening, Lord. We pray that you stir up in their hearts faith, hope, love. Help them, Lord, to open their hearts to you, to come to you as they are with all their doubts and questions. And... Help everyone, Lord, to um, find your peace, if they're already in their calling and their vocation, to find your peace, Lord, and also um, those discerning. Help them, Lord, to trust you, that you really do know them, you really do love them, and that your will really does bring us peace and joy and the abundant life, and help them to be courageous, Lord, in taking the next step, whatever that is. And we thank you, and we praise you, Lord, and and we pray glory be to the Father and, and to the, the Son and to the, the Holy Spirit, Spirit as, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray, pray for, for us. us. Saint Joseph, pray, pray for us. Holy Guardian Angels, pray, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the, the Son, Son and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Signing off.